Welcome to this episode of the Greater Phoenix Chambers podcast. Let's talk business Phoenix with your host, me, Todd Sanders, President and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Chamber. In each episode, we're going to tackle important issues and subjects affecting businesses, our community, and the state today. Through relevant, timely topics, this podcast serves as the business community's voice with a mission of championing business growth, identifying problems that restrict economic development, and convening community leaders to move Phoenix forward. Well, welcome to the podcast. We are honored today to have Frank Reed, who's the Senior Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Blue Cross Blue Shield. Also, uh, a former member of our Board of Directors and the person most responsible for uh, the DEI work that we're doing at the Chamber. Frank, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great being here, Todd. It's good to see you, my friend. Um, Well, I'd like for people to get to know you a little bit. So a little bit about your background and maybe something about you that that, that wouldn't be on your bio. Wow. How much time we got? Let's hear it. We're good. (laughs) So I I, uh, joined Blue Cross Blue Shield two years ago. And prior to working with Blue Cross Blue Shield, I was uh, consulting Mm -hmm. and actually started consulting after a career in the human resources area, spent there over 30 years in HR and was fortunate enough to uh, lead several HR departments for a couple of multinational companies, retired, took a little time off and then started back consulting and eventually um, had a, a wanted to pursue this passion I had in diversity, equity and inclusion. And the timing was such that it happened right around the time we started to deal with some of the social unrest issues and some of the, some of the um, uh, polit- police reforms, which led us to what we're doing, what we, we're doing at the chamber currently. So, uh, all of this stuff kind of collided at the same time. It's and so it, true, and it created the opportunity for us to say, you know, as a chamber, what role do we have to play in and doing our part? And I think it should be said, you you came from you came to us from Minnesota, correct? That is correct. Okay, that so big correct. change. Uh, huge, huge. But we uh, we were fortunate enough to we had a place here so we could get away from the um, the tundra every now and again and come down and thaw out before we had to go back. And and I think in 2015, 16, we decided to move here full time. So it's been a great move. It's been great being a part of the Phoenix community. And it's been great uh, becoming a part of the chamber and kind of being a part of the business community. Well, and you did, you hit the ground running when you got here. And uh, I think you got engaged very quickly, um, which was really nice. Tell us something about you that's not on your bio. So a couple of things. Uh, uh, My guilty pleasure in life is my monthly pedicures. Okay, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. Uh, Sure. Good guilty pleasure. uh, I cannot do without my monthly pedicures. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, another is that um, uh, for years I was a drummer in a jazz band. That is, so, those are two good ones. Two good ones. So that's, and, a, that's a top five right and there. And the rest of my wife promised that if they asked me the question, to not answer it, no just cut it off. We'll leave that. it there. Okay, good deal. Excellent. <laughs> um, well, so, you know, DEI, I, I will say probably before meeting you, I really hadn't had a lot of exposure to it. Maybe for people who, who maybe haven't heard a lot about it or are wondering, what is it? And why is it important? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Todd, you know, it's really interesting because DE and I, uh, the three words, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, are of themselves not very controversial, but somehow or another, uh, it's kind of morphed into something that um, uh, has become a controversial or kind of a topic that nobody wants to discuss. But the reality of it is that when I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion from a, a layman's standpoint without trying to do a professional definition, 
I heard someone say years ago, diversity and inclusion is like diversity is extending an invitation for you to come to the party and inclusion is asking you to dance when you get there. Right. So that's kind of the one way to look at it. And then the equity part has to do with making sure you create a kind of level playing field so that every employee, and no matter what company they work, have an opportunity to reach their full potential. So when you hear those things, there's not a person in the world that would say, right. I disagree with that. But somehow or another, we've allowed, and this is one of the things I hope we get to talk about when we talk about companies who want to start on this journey because they realize that they that they really need to be doing something to help create an environment to retain your employees and to have those employees fully engaged. Uh, because I say oftentimes that um, uh, working on DNI and making sure we get engagement is just like a personal relationship. If you feel that you're putting more into the relationship than your partner is, it's not sustainable. Right. And work is the same way. If p- employees feel like they're working for companies that don't care about the things that they care about, they're not, they will never get engaged. It's hard to have. And, that, and then at that some point, they finally, it's unsustainable. At some point, they would just check out. Well, you tell a really interesting story about, um, I think a moment for you that was kind of an eye opener with you all interviewed, um, um, uh, a young lady, I think that was, um, someone who you all really wanted to hire and she ended up not coming. Yes. Not accepting the offer. You want to talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. So yeah. Well, you, in, in my previous life, um, um, we had a, a, a MBA program, and we recruited from the top schools in the world, both uh, Cambridge, uh, we did uh, Oxford, we did Harvard, and, and we did um, NYU and several several other schools. But we had a group of about twelve uh, uh, female college students that were in the MBA program that we had come through our organization. And actually, Todd, it was just, it was six that we ended up offering jobs okay. to. All six turned us down. And we immediately do what most companies do. You get together and you do a debrief and everything was about blaming the applicants, the candidates. Yeah. And we didn't have any issues with us. So it was a candidate. And, and, and I just felt like there has got to be some reason that these six young ladies said no to us um, when they didn't even know each other. They were from different schools. Right. And so I decided to call them and we had a conversation and to a person. Every one of them said during the interviewing process, they loved the company. They loved what they heard. They loved what they saw. But the one thing that was missing for all six of them is that they did not see any women that looked like them in leadership positions that did the interviews. And the interesting thing about this, and this is why we get into things like being intentional yeah. and benign uh, neglect. They all turned us down because they didn't see women in that leadership rotation during the interviews. But the company was 60% women. Interesting. And 60% of our leadership team were women. Because there was no one being intentional about those interviews, they assigned someone else on their team to do the interview in their absence. It wasn't important enough to interview, so they had someone, a junior-level person, do it. And we started to realize that when you're not intentional about doing something, you unintentionally create other issues. And so in addition to... Having a firm understanding of DEI, and the other word that I would say you need to really understand is being intentional. Yeah. Nothing happens in the company without someone intentionally saying this is what's going to happen and well, owning it. And I think that's something you instilled in us yeah. as it relates to this. So it's interesting. So you've got you know, this idea of these simple concepts, which they are. They're simple, and yeah. you're right. No one's really going to disagree with those. And, and certainly, there's a bottom line yes. component to that. Why are there so many misconceptions? So I think a couple of things, Todd, and, and, and my career, one of the things that I, 
that I think is that um, we allow, this is companies and individuals, we allow people to create the narrative we accept. So whenever we say, all right, this is something we want to look into and we want to, as a company, we want to do DNI. And oftentimes, rather than sitting back and understanding as part of the, the toolkit we did for the chamber, before you start getting into the weeds of DNI, you have to answer three questions for employees in your company. Why are we doing it? What is it? And how do we, how do we get our, uh, how do we accomplish the goals we're sure. setting? Why, what, and how? Those are the questions that you got to tackle before you start trying to figure out what you're doing. And oftentimes people jump into it. They start trying to do the thing, um, and it fails. And so it becomes like, well, we tried it. It didn't work, so we won't do it anymore. So that's one of the controversies. We don't want to invest the time because we tried it, and it doesn't work. The other thing people talk about a lot is um, talking about things like race and talking about things like inclusion and equity is uncomfortable, and we shouldn't be doing that in an organization. And the other thing, Todd, that I think makes it controversial is just the, the whole narrative um, we have in our mindset for most of most of us that in order for someone to gain something, someone has to lose something. There does seem to be that narrative. So correct. the zero sum game. Yes. And, and when you see the world in that in that point of reference, you can see why people refuse to accept changes and they refuse to accept being in a different place than they are now and they can't see the longer term and and i just think that understanding what what is your narrative for why you want to do this what is what does success look like for you all those things have to be discussed with your leadership team and your employees and you need to come to a decision that says these are the things that we think will measure success in our company the easy thing for a lot of companies to do is to say, I went, I sent, I sent Frank to the conference. He met with three or four, he saw three or four presentations and he comes back and says, we ought to do this. And inevitably you're going to fail because no two cultures are alike. No two management teams are alike. And not all of us are looking for the same things when they're looking for uh, success within the, this whole construct of diversity, equity and inclusion. Well, it, it really is interesting, and and I think our journey has was was to your point. It, it turned from sort of this idea that you know you and I started talking about something very intentional. But maybe talk a little bit about how this happened at the chamber. I think it's a really interesting story. Yeah. So once I, when I joined the chamber, and fairly early on joining the chamber, I set up a lunch with our our chair at the time. Um, Sarah Strunk, who was, uh, I think, the chair at Fenimore Craig. Yes, she was. A very dear friend of mine. And we were going to have a lunch, and it was going to be a lunch to talk about protocol at the chamber, talk about the different committees, and for me to just kind of do it, get orientated to what my life was going to be like working on the chamber. But unfortunately, uh, Todd, our lunch happened the day after five police officers were murdered in Dallas, Texas. Correct. And we found out later that they were murdered in response to another murder of a black young man in another city from the cops. And so Sarah and I sat there at lunch, and we were just both just kind of having small talk. And then she finally says, before we get into the chamber stuff, I want to ask you a question. How do you feel about what happened? And that started. And when we finished that conversation, we both agreed that what was really important is that we pulled you in as soon as we could to talk about what role and responsibility does the chamber have 
and touching the lives of over 2,000, 3,000 businesses. What role can we play to help create a situation so we don't have to deal with what Dallas is dealing Correct. with? And from that meeting, we pulled you in and had a meeting. And then from that meeting, we start to uh, get uh, an idea of what success looks like for the chamber. And the one thing that we constantly heard taught was most of the chamber companies felt we needed to be doing something. We just didn't know what the heck to do. And so we felt like we could provide them with the toolkit and a way to take a look at where they are in their maturation process. And because the key here is starting the, the journey at, a, at the appropriate place, like you wouldn't teach a third grade kid trigonometry. Well, <laughs> you know, you so you have to figure out where is a point of contact? Where do I need to make contact with this organization to start this process? So um, we started realizing that because the chamber had a vast number of different types of companies from all industries, all sizes, we wanted to do something that would allow every company from two employees to 2,000 employees to look at this toolkit and figure out where do we need to fit in and and then how do we build from there but the the toolkit is not designed to give you the answers the toolkit is designed to help you think about the approach and and that's the hard part the real the real tough part of DE&I is not the doing the stuff it's trying to decide what success looks like for your organization so so true and I'll I'll give Sarah so much credit for giving you all that latitude and and what people might not know is that you know you actually took it wasn't staff you took a group of of HR DEI professionals from the board level and I I mean it was six solid months of work Um, this would easily be Couple hundred thousand dollars out in the market if someone had done that, and you, and you built this out, um, and that's what we have today. And, and it's a great, and and it's meant to change. So yeah. you do your part, and then you pass it on to the next part. But I got to tell you, Todd, it was it was a labor of love, a lot of fun, a lot of hard work. But anytime you build something that's special, there are a lot of eyeballs and hands touching it. So uh, if I could just take two seconds. Uh, uh, Dora Gray, Garnett from Slalom yes. was very critical and a very key part of the team. Uh, uh, Amy Sima, she uh, Sina from uh, State Farm. Yep. Uh, and then we had some other folk who've kind of passed through and, and they're no longer here in Phoenix and they moved on other places. But uh, once we got the product done, we had to kind of take all of that stuff and pass it over to you guys and Janelle. Um, at your on your team and her staff and marketing was able to take this thing over the finish line for us. And I think all of us at the time we needed to kind of kick in and do our parts were there and we were able to hand it off to you guys and you did a beautiful job. And what's really neat about what you guys have done at the chamber is not only are you using a toolkit, but you guys are now implementing some of these concepts within the chamber. Yeah. I mean, we, had to, ask, we yeah. had to answer those questions too. Are you doing 100% it? 100% correct. Are and you doing it? Yeah. What I like about this is, I mean, if you're large corporations, you know, IBM probably has their own way of doing it. But for a lot of us, where do we start? Yeah. And for and to your point, this, we had to look at this and we had the process, but then, okay, what success look like? Yeah. And it's incredible what's happened at our chamber and how that's evolved. And, and it's really impacted our culture, our yes. company culture in a big way. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So the, one of the, one of the dichotomies and, and, and building a strong uh, DEI foundation or, or organization is that you're also battling building the right culture. So when a company, by the time DEI rolled around, let's say for the most part, we've been doing it and some, form or another. It was called affirmative action in the 70s and 
So a lot of different things. Um, but now it's DNI. And so most companies have a pretty developed culture that they hire to. So people who are interested in working for you, most of, most of the leaders of the company, the number one thing they look for is a company fit. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the dichotomy to that is if you have a culture that you believe is a strong culture and it's a successful culture and you're hiring to a fit, it almost works it's diametrically opposite to inclusion. So you're saying we, we interview a person, a candidate, the, you know, a team of folks. And when that person leaves like, well, pretty qualified, but I don't know about the fit. fit. I don't know if they fit. You're saying that's probably the opposite of what we need to be doing. That is a problem because as long as you're hired to a fit, you never get diverse. <laughs> so it's not anything that's bad or good. It's just something, again, being intentional. Uh, if you're trying to create an inclusive environment, then by nature, you're having to bring people in that are different than you are. Which can be uncomfortable. Which is uncomfortable, and it doesn't fit your culture. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly having to examine you know, those things. And a good, strong HR department can, can, can make sure that the conversation is taking place. But, but that would be one thing I tell people all the time about a culture. The danger with the culture is if it's a, if it's a successful culture in your mind. It almost dictates the type of people you bring into the organization. So the balance is finding the diversity and maintaining a culture at the same time. And Otherwise, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. That's right. You never get to the point where you have that kind of representation across the board. And the reason we got to do that, Todd, is because uh, uh, the two big reasons, and, and that's, that's why I don't understand what's so controversial about this. If you have multiple types of customers buying your product, at some point, they want to see their buying power represented in your organization. And if they don't, then that raises questions. And it, and it also could affect you in the marketplace against, uh, when you're being compared against other competitors. And the other thing, quite frankly, like the example with the, uh, the young ladies I was telling you from the college MBA program, um, if people look at your organization and they don't think they see a healthy representation of the world or the country, uh, that we live and work in, then um, then they don't want to work for you. And so people, and the, the number one thing I share with young uh, talent is a lot, and I have a son who is uh, fairly early in his career, and the thing is, if you can't see it, you can't be it, mm-hmm. right? So if they don't see someone representing leadership that looks like them, then uh, I don't know if this company is committed to doing 